when George Floyd was murdered in, in, in 2020 and the pandemic had started, this, I'm two blocks away from the big, all the Black Lives Matter protests that are happening, the, small, the bombs that the police are throwing. I was talking to police because I was working with the police and I was talking to the police all over the country. The police were so proud of it. They were like, oh my gosh, it works so well. We, we broke their spirits and they were talking about the Black Lives Matter protesters. They were proud that they were able to crush the protest very successfully in a major city because they used the tools I created. You're listening to a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. Yeah, I think it's absolutely, absolutely awesome to have you here, Kevin. Uh, just as we're talking right now, there's so much that I kind of want to unfold. But before we get into it, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, a little bit of a, a background as to yeah. who Kevin Shaw is and the incredible work that you're doing? Yeah, I, I I tell this story also as a way to tell, like it's almost like an origin story for my persona that I call Captain Empathy. I go by that as well and, and with a very specific intention. And I'll, I'll explain that. So I grew up in India, an immigrant to the United States. Um, I never felt like I fit there. I belonged there. I never felt like I was part of the culture. And I think a large part of that was the chaos and the noise and me not understanding myself. I didn't realize that I was not comfortable or happy in those spaces at all. And I'm a gay man, uh, immigrant that just had trouble understanding myself. And so the earliest chance I, I, le I could leave, I left, which was 18. I went and to, I came to the United States and I picked a place that was furthest away from anyone I knew because I wanted to just be alone and just find myself because everything was what the system told me, what my parents told me to be. And this is how I must be. And this is how I must behave. And so that started my journey. It was a very tough first year, a lot of painful experiences and Previous to this, I had trained in the system and my parents was lying was part of my life. And that was like a big incident that happened that made me change my perspective to being like, holy shit, when I start telling the truth, life is amazing. Life can be great. And so that started that journey almost. And over the time, I got my bachelor's in computer electrical engineering and then uh, joined the tech company's workforce, putting internet and TV on planes. And then when I started becoming a product manager and product leader and a people manager, I realized the, the impact of empathy. I had to figure it out and find it myself. To be a good product manager, I had to put myself in the place and understand the perspective of my customers, of my employees, of my team. And I was like, wait, there's magic here. And so that started my journey in understanding empathy and learning about it. And then I, my husband and I and our dog, we moved to Seattle in 2017. And we joined our um, a company that was making tech for police, making body cameras and taser and software for police with the goal of protecting life. And I went all in. And this company was all about making money at all costs. They were had, they, it was all about profit with this positive mission. But none of the metrics were about how many lives we were saving tied to our bonuses or tied to any compensation. It was all about profit, 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 profit. And also what happened was when George Floyd was murdered in, in, in 2020 and the pandemic had started, this, I'm two blocks away from the big, all the Black Lives Matter protests that are happening, the, small, the bombs that the police are throwing. Just, I can hear the bombs. My friends have um, tear gas in their apartments. I was lucky enough to not to have that, 
And I was talking to police because I was working with the police and I was talking to the police all over the country, giving them the products that I had built. I'd built this incredible real-time operations platform for the police and led the team to do that. And the police were so proud of it. They were like, oh my gosh, it works so well. We, we broke their spirits and they were talking about the Black Lives Matter protesters. They were proud that they were able to crush the protest very successfully in a major city because they used the tools I created. So in that moment, I realized what I was doing was, even though the mission was to protect life, I was further empowering the police. And I was making them more powerful and not changing the system as I thought I was doing. And for that company, I had a special compensation uh, contract for $15 million over eight years that if I had stayed by now, I would have had about 12 million, if not more of it already in my well, paid out. And it was a big moment. I had to ask myself, what, th this is not something I can support. And so in that moment, I resigned and gave, gave up that all of it. And then I, without a job or a plan in the middle of pandemic, I was like, now what? So I gave up that role, something that I was celebrated for worship for, got so much um, attention for. And, and then it was where I started to unpack what capitalism means, started to unpack what our system of oppression and system of supremacy-based and meritocracy-based system means and what I, I have learned and who I am as a person. I didn't realize that I was also starting to unpack narcissism, which came later in that journey in February of this year when I started realizing, holy crap, I'm very narcissistic. And that's because the system we grew up is in narcissism-based. And so that started my journey of finding myself. I created Jago, uh, which means to wake up in Hindi. And the idea with the goal of, um, with the mission of, uh, of uh, creating a world where people seek to understand one another. And the idea was just like working out and fitness and eating healthy, empathy is a muscle that we can build. And so we created this concept of empathy gym. So we built an app and we built a whole program so we can help companies learn how to build empathy and make it a daily habit in their goals of achieving diversity, equity, inclusion, and building psychological safe spaces. But wow. as I... And, and, and also, in, in, in addition to that, I joined T-Mobile as a leader and building products for consumers uh, to help families live a better, happier life by giving them products that help improve their life and on their growth journey. So that's a little bit about my story and how Captain Empathy came about. I mean, as I'm thinking of what you're saying, there's, there's so much to unpack. I mean, if if anyone from this part of the world, from Egypt or Dubai or, or frankly anywhere in the world, heard that you gave up fifty million dollars, that would kind of stun a lot of people. And and I think it takes so much courage and strength to do that. Um, and very few people are ever put in a situation where they have to act in that manner. So first of all, kudos to you. And and I think maybe some one thing I wanted to discuss with you how. How important is it to to know and understand yourself and your value system? Wow. I mean that that's something that, you know, as as a young leader or entrepreneur myself, uh, I see myself feeling a lot of feelings that perhaps you've experienced, feeling very different. I'm very different than all my. I mean, I've always felt alienated, mm -hmm. but I think that that's that has a good connotation to it, not like in that sort of sense of loneliness. So, my question to to kind of maybe find that sort of uh, overlapping uh, uh, phenomenon here between your story and, and my story. How do you figure out your value system? Someone listening to us right now, how can they understand a little bit more about 
what they can do to reach to the points that they can understand that this is a, a, a non-negotiable for me, or this is a system that I need to live by. What do I do and where do I start? Yeah, I think it started with by listening to myself. I wasn't doing that. Um, I When I was working at that job, I was incredibly, uh, towards the end of it, I was incredibly depressed, suicidal. I had thought I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat as much. And it was all about work, work, work. I was so deep into it. And I wasn't listening to my body. I wasn't listening to myself. And so when I took that moment to realize, like, this is impacting my mental health. This is something. That is what that's happening is we are trying, I was trying to convince myself that what I'm doing is the right thing was the right thing, that cognitive dissonance. So, mm. and when that friction is happening, our health will start deteriorating. Like we will not sleep as much. Anxieties come up. And so when I did that, I realized that I was going against my values. And so I questioned, I was like, okay, so what is it? What is it that I, that is going to get me to a place where I feel healthy? So yes, I gave up $15 million, but I got so much back in my health, in, 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 in my, my sense of self, in my sense, I found myself back again. I found, I, I feel like healthier than I ever did before. And that's because I asked myself, okay, what are my values? And a lot of us don't pause and reflect and ask ourselves, what are the things that are important to me? Is it important for me to uh, be happy? Is it important for me to help others? Is it important? And so I created this idea from, from, from my journey was something I call growing super happy. And it's the idea of for taking this moment to sort of sit down and reflect. What are the things that we want to grow in? Putting intention behind it. Our growth journey. What are the growth intentions? So I want to be a better product leader, a better manager, a better coach, or I want to be a better sports person. I want to be better at video games, or I want to be, I want to find myself. So when we set that intention, setting those goals is step one. And then I, the second part of that super part is finding what are we great at? What are our superpowers? And so, because <laughs> we want to align our intentions with our superpowers. And I made a list of that. Like, I like coaching and I think I'm really good at that. And I like building um, empathy, connection, building community, uh, aspects of those communicating. Those are my superpowers. And then finally, happiness. What truly makes us happy? Not the fleeting moment happy, like I had a drink and I'm excited. But like the things that make us content, feel fulfilled, feel purposeful, that give us long-term happiness and finding that intersection of those things is us. That's where we're sitting at the intersection of growing super happy. And that's sort of the journey that I went to. And um, I, I think that you did mention something that, you know, really also struck me. Um, and I think minority, you know, communities face that a lot mm -hmm. uh, is conditioning at a very young age, mm -hmm. uh, at a very um, premature age, let's just put it that way. And uh, whether it's India, Egypt, uh, you name it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, developing countries, uh, or even sometimes communities in developed countries, actually, we'd be very surprised uh, if we think about it. Uh, what would, what would you kind of knowing what you know now and knowing where you were, what's something you wish you kind of knew uh, you could tell your, mm -hmm. you know, your 19 year old self that was kind of trying to start and recalibrate their entire system, but had no freaking yeah. clue what to do. Oh my gosh. What a great question. A powerful. Uh, I think we asked this ourselves. I think I said, first thing I would tell myself, or I would wish I knew is 
I am narcissistic. I am doing, I am only thinking from what is in it for me. I used to any relationship, meeting someone in my community, whether it was like, oh, how is this person going to help me? Or how is this going to become about me? Or is this person interested in me? Is it sexual? Is it romantic? Is it X, Y, Z? It was all about me in that moment. And that's what the system sort of ingrained into me. And I'd learned, I went to a school that taught me that for 13 years. And so I wish I had told myself that I am narcissistic and to be happy, I need to reverse that. I need to completely unpack. And so that was one. The other is learn the power of empathy. Oh my gosh, it is a superpower that exists in our real world and we can all learn it. And that's why I call myself Captain Empathy because we can all become Captain Empathy. We can all become a version of that superpower by learning the power of empathy. What What are the three steps or five steps that you would kind of throw someone into this world of uh, Captain Empathy? I'm really, really, really <laughs> excited to kind of jump into this with you. Yeah, um, the, I would say start with, I, well, first thing, and we, we do this in our workshops with Jago. We do this in a lot of the talks I do as well. Um, but one of the first things that we, I, I ask is, have you, is it, have you told your story to yourself? I ask people to tell their own story, wow. even if it's alone, even if it's to a mirror, even if it's writing it in a notebook. A lot of people don't pause and just, even my parents don't. What is your story? The act of telling our own story is an act of reflection, is an act of that idea that I am now going to look at my own perspective, that we, people say self-empathy. The idea yeah. where, okay, I'm going to take my own perspective and then reflect on it. So when we do that, it's a very powerful moment when we yeah. tell our story. because it, and, that, and that helps in finding those values. Because the way we tell our story helps us find how we're telling our story and what are the values that we're highlighting in that experience. The next is, are we curious about other people's stories? When we meet people, are we meeting with goal of, are they going to help me? Or with a genuine goal of understanding what is their perspective? A lot of the challenges that happen in our world is people are living, oh, my perspective worked for me, so it has to work for you. Oh, of course it's got to work for you because it worked for me. I'm living in the same system as you. But it's not the same. Learning your perspective, learning the other person's perspective can help enhance the way we tell our story, enhance our perspective in understanding the worldview. So step two, ask people, what is your story? What is it that brings you, like your lived experience? Tell me about a time when you grew up and, it, and something was challenging for you. Tell me your happiest moments in your life. What was it like? Or a moment that was change was difficult. These questions, when we ask each other, it invites us listening. It invites us to learn new perspectives that we did not have. And I believe for Captain Empathy to continue to build that is to learn as many different perspectives as possible. And that's what I try to do in every aspect of what, uh, my life. And then finally, the part, and I would tell myself to my, my, my uh, younger self as well, is judgment. I used to tell myself, I am not narcissistic. I used to tell myself, I don't judge people. And those were lies I kept telling myself. We tell ourselves these lies, lies, and we tell these lies because we want to be good people. Everyone wants, no one wakes up and says, I'm going to do evil. Even, even Putin doesn't stand up and say, I'm going to do evil today. He's thinking he's the hero of his story. He's trying to do something good for his people, probably. That's his lens. No one wakes up to do that. But we tell these lies to ourselves because we want to be good people. We believe we are good people. But when I stopped lying to myself, when I said, oh, when I realized I was narcissistic, when I realized I do judge, 
And these are the behaviors of judgment that I'm putting on that are coming back. That's when I started realizing that um, the genuine connection, the genuine empathy, that vulnerable that we need and creating that safe space for people to feel psychologically safe to share and be vulnerable around me can't happen. Yeah. And, and so those are some steps that I think are important in, in that journey. Mm -hmm judgment part is the one that really strikes me out the most because uh you know we're communities that you know especially the minority communities they judge and not just if you're gay lesbian they judge if you have long hair short hair mm -hmm. if you're wearing a, a piercing if you're if you're having a tattoo whatever it i think judgment is and that is is kind of built in shame and and that's kind oh, of yeah. a very 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 um stigmatized uh culture and that's why i think vulnerability is 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 at the root core source of that uh of that level of depth of empathy and and i think one thing that uh when you were talking so much this word kept popping up it's emotional intelligence and i think that you know the strongest people out there are those that are so much so in tuned within themselves uh, that can regulate sort of wild emotions because i think also um, one thing I struggled when I was a little kid was uh, I was an athlete, but I, I was a very sensitive boy, very sensitive boy. I just couldn't really control how I felt all the time. And mm -hmm. uh, to a point where like I got suspended seven times in a one academic year at school, oh, wow. even though I, I'm, I'm very, very like uh, I'm very I'm a very good student, but I just had temper issues. And, and, and because I was mm -hmm. a little bit built an athlete, just didn't know how to control myself, to be honest. And uh, I uh, I remember so so well when I started this whole journey of uh, of just seeing uh, someone and 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 journaling, and it just became so calming and so therapeutic in the sense that I started to to be okay uh, to face the the the, mm. the 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 hard harsh voice that tells you you're so bad at this you're so you're, oh, and, yeah. and, and, that's the and narcissist I, talking to you that's yeah. the narcissism that's your narcissism telling you that yeah right oh that, oh yeah but what you said you i think I think, I think thank you for sharing your story it's so powerful and, and there are some couple of nuggets in there that i really want to make sure i i highlight one you mentioned shame and you mentioned control and i want to make sure i talk about this idea when people are judging each other, it is coming from, like you said, a lot of shame. Maybe that's self-shame because they've been shamed. Shame is a tool of control that the system of, uh, uses. Government uses, religion uses, all these different leaders use, parents use with each other, with their kids. It's a very common because that's what's passed down, shaming each other because you're doing something that is um, not the same as I want it to be done or not the same, I believe it so. I believe that people should be able to do whatever they like as long as it does not cause intentional or unintentional harm to other life in general. That's how I see the world. So if you want to sit down, dance and sing and be excited, as long as you are not causing harm to others in any way, go for it. Why are we shaming each other for that? And it, is a, it becomes a form of control. And then you mentioned your feelings. You, were, you were, had those feelings and you couldn't control them. That is such a big challenge we're facing. We try to control our feelings. And I think that is the biggest mistake we're making as humans. We can, we, we sh I don't believe we should control our feelings. I believe when we do that, 
we are then trying to control the parts of ourselves that are trying to tell ourselves about us and we're not listening. And so when we try to, so what I believe is when we're feeling those feelings, even if they're bad feelings, feel them. I've had lots of, and even recently I've, I felt very bad feelings and I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to stop them. I'm not, I'm just going to listen to them. I'm going to try to understand those feelings. So while feeling them, I'm trying to unpack them inside and then talking to my husband or talking to someone you feel comfortable and confident and safe with sharing what, how we're feeling and talking through that is such a powerful place. And I think that's the big thing when you found in journaling is you were feeling those feelings and understanding those feelings, but we are taught to control our feelings. Just as recently, I went to India a couple of weeks ago and I realized I, I didn't sleep for five days. I couldn't sleep because it was loud. It was uncomfortable. I was staying at my parents' place. And then I said, I need to go to a hotel. And my dad calls me and he's like, what will this, what will the society say? Why don't you just suffer through so that people don't say that you're not staying with your parents. And in that moment, it was, it reminded me that that was again, a sense of control, him feeling shame from the society, him not letting me feel my feelings and just telling me control your feelings and suffer through this pain so that others won't see you in, be, staying at a hotel. Mm-hmm. And, and so that journey that you went through and you shared, I think that reminded me a lot of those that idea that we tell each other to control our feelings, to manage our feelings. Instead, I think I think the approach should be feel our feelings and understand our feelings. I think what you said is, uh, you know, kind of really got me uh, in goosebumps here. Um, why? And I and I kind of stress on it. Sometimes we don't like the way we feel, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, you know, when you're entering a relationship, when you're, you know, especially like. And I'll speak about myself, like not wanting to feel that connected or like not wanting to feel vulnerable and, and, and feeling like, why am I getting tipped off of my toes here? Like that doesn't, no, that's too quick. Not right now. All that stuff. And I think, um, uh, uh, at times when, I mean, when you said feel those feelings, it's the question kind of came to my mind are you uncomfortable being, are you comfortable being uncomfortable? Yes. That's what I talk about all the time with, with, with yourself, with truths about yourself, with asking yourself difficult questions, like tough questions. What are the tough questions that you are not asking yourself? Yeah. And I think that was something that made me you know, three years ago, back when I read five years ago, back when I really struggled and I'm struggling with my identity, my Mm -hmm. everything. I was asking myself questions that made me so damn scared. Like, Mm. am I, am am I going through like, Christ, is this going to all work out? Like, why do I feel it's never going to, is it dark? Am am I, am I, am I, am I abnormal? Am I okay? Am I is this gonna ever you know things that i think that i just feel that while practicing all what you've said right now as captain empathy and 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 the and and the exercise and the three steps that you've mentioned here i think had i known this i think i would have not experienced it less intense but my reaction would have been Mm. less intense yeah yeah i I think so and that's the part we we when we control our feelings we're controlling a sense of our humanity 
And so when and and what it did is it made that suffering longer. So you had more incidents because we you were trying to control it instead of understanding and feel it, right? And yeah. and I think like you said, we have a system where we are biased to for comfort. Our bias is how do I make myself comfort or I don't want to hurt your feelings. I want to make sure everyone's comfortable and that's okay. That's a good thing, not not a bad thing. But like you said, that makes us so used to being comfortable discomfort and my dad literally said this to me this trip he's like i don't like using my brain these are his words he doesn't like being uncomfortable at all at all cuz he's lived a life of comfort throughout now that even the slightest bit of discomfort he has he he, he avoids so growth has stopped and i think that's when you know some people and i speak about also members in my family sometimes when they decide not to grow they're actually just not everyone who's actually alive is is growing right yeah, i think exactly there's some sort of a spiritual death that some people experience or not a spiritual death but almost like this you know they're existing and not everyone existing is kind of growing and i think that sometimes it hurts me because some people i love the most i mean you mentioned uh, you know your father here but for me you know it really hurts when sometimes i can't really connect with a family member a, a mother a, my brother and it's almost not you cannot expect everyone to be uh, pursuing that inner journey in the same intensity as you are or with the same intent as you are and i think that really hit home for me i also wanted to i mean if you would like to add a comment here before i kind of jump into this next section because i feel like I want to go into a little bit of the empathy with the with with the leadership and how that has a positive return but um I'll leave the floor for you if you have any comments to add here. Um no yeah I think so as leaders I believe and I'm 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 being extreme here intentionally for for a, to make a point every politician every CEO every leader should pass an empathy test. absolutely in 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 and the reason i'm saying that isn't like oh let's put a gate around this is to sh- because they are going to take care of other humans they are going to take care of people that they are not familiar with they didn't grow up with they are going to take care and this is care in very very important ways financially socially culturally and parts their life people's livelihoods are in their hands and not being able to practice empathy is a big negative in that space because then it creates unsafe environment. So as a leader, one of the things I talk about, I do a session called leading with empathy and and there I talk about a lot of these things and how to create psychological safety and I in it is an important aspect of the leader needs to start with vulnerability. They needs to start with create setting that role modeling. Leadership is all about role modeling. And if you look at the best leaders, they're role modeling the behaviors they want the followers to do. and if you look at some of the worst impactful leaders when i say worst i'm not i'm not judging the people i'm judging their actions and the impact they made it's been they've been they've role modeled the worst behaviors and the worst narcissism of the system and the bad worst parts of the system yeah i think uh, what you're saying is 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 incredibly important i mean do we have an empathy test that exists out there um it's hard to do one there are some there, there are some like <laughs> sorry it's trying to get you interpersonal yeah. relativity index as one i found in iri it's where you ask it's a self reported you ask that you answer some questions and it gives you a little bit of an understanding 
or where you are in the empathy journey. We use this with our with our uh, customers, where we first do that thing, and then we go through our journey at the Empathy Gym program with Jago, and then at the end we see, okay, how has that changed? But in general, I don't I don't like empathy tests. I don't like that concept in general because um, I think the way it could be is it's it it's self-reported. Empathy tests and everything is self-reported. If it gen, if truly I could create one, it would be all the people that you've interacted with in the X period of time, they reflect on how they feel heard, how they feel seen by you. Do yeah. you do they understand your perspective? Take your perspective into account. Are they? Are you sharing vulnerable? Is the leader sharing vulnerability? That's how I would frame, uh, create one. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about here because I think it would be kind of because some of the best manipulators are are really 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 empathetic. I mean, you talk about some of the best negotiators in the world. I was listening to Chris Voss the other day. Oh yeah, I read the tactical book. Empathy, tactical empathy. I was it's, like, it's all empathy. <laughs> wow, like like you can make millions out of just really nailing into empathy. I'm not trying to be super commercial, but that that's. That's like yeah. the other side, you know, when the thing, there's a dark side of something that's like, yeah, uh, but, but that, that, that's when we use powerful. Yeah. That's when we use your perspectives. If I learn your perspective, like you grew up in your anger and you, like you said, you had challenges as a child, as an athlete and, and feeling angry. I understood your perspective and I understood a little bit about you. Now, if I use that to then control you. Yeah. is that dark side using your perspective to control you and that people do the emotional manipulation i don't think that's empathy i think that's just emotional manipulation is using information right. they have and so i when people i've seen articles about people talking about the dark side of empathy and all of that the only thing i would say negative is when when we lose ourselves in that journey of empathy so for yeah. example when you're sharing your perspective and then you share how you had a devastating moment or something and I lose myself in that, and I can't, I can't even help myself, let alone be there and be compassionate for you. That's when empathy we've we've gone too far, yeah. and and so, but but in general, whenever people have talked about dark side of empathy, it's been taken out of context, or they take something that's not empathy related, and then they label it that way. Yeah, yeah, and I think it has that that negative connotation that, you know, completely skews the. The, the meaning that, you know, uh, we're trying to kind of share with the message around putting yourself in mm -hmm. other people's shoes to, to feel closer to them, to get connected, to, yep. to, to avoid uh, disconnect and to avoid all the sort of shame and stigma. And I think that's kind of why when, uh, you know, I, I saw when we were uh, listed on Badassery together and, and when your name came up, I was like, Kevin, I need to, need to, need to. <laughs> <laughs> to speak to you and uh and i just want to say it's 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 honestly such a pleasure to, to speak with you i know this isn't going to be the, the 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 first nor the last time for us to speak i just definitely would would love to see uh would love to see us kind of picking this up i would hope i would love to have you on my up upcoming podcast called empathy power up i think you would i would love to invite you there as well for sure yeah no and would you like to kind of give a word about empathy power up i think this is something many of the listeners of this show would love to kind of follow yeah. as well. Yeah, we're we're launching in two weeks. It's going to be on all the platforms called Empathy Power Up. It's with my co-host, Amy J. Wilson, who wrote a book called Empathy for Change. So literally wrote a book on empathy. 
and um, a best-selling book. And we're, we talk about all things. We talk about narcissism. We talk about boundaries. We talk about the journey. And we share through our perspective the journeys. And we bring education and guests. And we dive into science of a lot of this as well. That's amazing. And Kevin, I just definitely want to, you know, uh, give you my best, best, best wishes for the podcast. I love new shows when they launch. So please do make sure to send uh, the links. I'll share it with the uh, listener base here. Oh, and uh, I just want to hop into a very quick round before we wrap things up here. Uh, what's one book that changed your life? Ooh, um, I think Dare to Lead by Brene Brown was a book that really um, was impactful, especially in the moment when I resigned from that company and I was deep in mental health challenges from coming out of that that cult. It felt like I was leaving a cult and it was. And, it, and, and, um, and we literally had to call ex-employees as a support group to help each other. And that's something that still happened. And I think that book helped me learn that I wasn't me that whole, uh, there was a lot of uh, gaslighting happening in the company. And so I had to come to un unblock from that. That book helped me a lot. So I think mm -hmm. Dare to Lead by Brene Brown was a really good one. And then I would also add uh, Becoming by Michelle Obama. Those were two books that really helped me early in that journey. Wow. Um, what's one um, podcast that you highly recommend, uh, that you listen to in general? Or what's one uh, lesson that you've learned that changed your life um i i haven't been listening to a lot of podcasts recently brene brown's got some uh, podcasts that i've been following so her podcast she's got a um a one but i think our recent most recent book uh, atlas of the heart and there's a show on hbo as well if it's available if you can find it, it's called atlas of the heart I think that is a really good one because it talks about all these different feelings, 70 different feelings that we feel and puts words to it and understanding to it, which we didn't before it was good or bad. But when we start understanding the nuances of each of these feelings, it opens up a portal into a whole new world. So that's what I would encourage because it's a, it's a map to understanding ourselves. So Atlas of the Heart really recommend that one as well. Yeah. I think the wheel of emotions and when you're able to really express you book you live a different quality life. Oh, I mean, totally. I'm a song writer. So like, I would tell you, you write better songs. So, <laughs> Oh my but, God. Please do send me. I'm, where can I find your songs, by the way? I'm excited. I didn't know. I'm writing a lot right now. So Okay. So please do send me some. I love yeah. music. Music is a big part of my life because I, I am tone deaf, but I love listening because I, I couldn't create music. And I, that's one of my regrets in life. But I, I, I really would love to yeah no I, I i love singing and i think that this is what i do post 10 p.m i just write and uh i'm now writing a few singles as well just ballads just pianos oh, just yes. really yeah. raw like <laughs> myth you think of you know the the adele's like i just love just oh, yes. i i'm a very like vocally type of person i, Ooh, I have this i can't wait so. i want to i want to hear you sing now i'm so pumped <laughs> <laughs> i would do it next time i promise uh i'm a little bit more prepared but uh kevin it's been a blast honestly having you today and uh i love your energy and uh I hope one day we can meet in person and I hope everyone who's listened to the show today uh, got as much as I've got personally. It's an honestly uh, a great blast having you. Thank you so much, really. Thank you so much. I appreciate the honor. 
do feel free to share it with your friends. Drop us a rating on Apple. Subscribe to the show. Follow it on Spotify. And we'll see you soon in a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. Take care and have a lovely day, guys. Thank you.